This is episode 369 of The Real Me and Colon, a movie podcast. On this week's episode, Chase is going to take a look at Beast, the newest film from Universal, and it's Idris Elba fighting a lion. So how is that going to go down? Well, you're just going to have to tune in and find out. This episode starts right now. What is going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of the Real Me and Cole in the Movie Podcast. I am your host, Chase Lee, and thank you for tuning me, uh, tuning in me. What the? Hey, listen, we're off to a great start. <laughs> Don't you just love live uh, broadcast, folks? But anyways, thank you for tuning in for another episode of this podcast. Um, whether it's day or night, <laughs> see, now I'm screwed up. Whether it's day or night, uh, when you're listening to this, uh, you guys are awesome. Thank you for your support of tuning in every single week and listening to your favorite movie podcast and just listen to me dribble on, uh, in my apartment about just whatever's coming out. Um, yeah. And before I begin the episode, if you could just spread this episode around and let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to, that'd be much appreciated. Hey, listen, you know, maybe there's someone out there that just is looking for a movie podcast to listen to, or they're just not much of a movie fan. I don't know who those people are. They should be uh, locked up in a psych ward. But, you know, maybe you should pass this episode along and send it to them uh, and just let them know this is your favorite movie podcast. Maybe we can have other people join in on the Real Me In community. This is episode 369. Like I said at the top, I will be going over Beast the newest creature feature survival film from Universal. It stars Idris Elba and his family uh, fighting against a lion. Uh, yeah, should be fun. So, uh, yeah, um, that's going to be the main topic of conversation. I'm also going to be going over what I've been watching this week uh, and then also going over some of my favorite creature features uh, before I get into that review. So that is the lineup of today's show, and I hope you guys really enjoy it. Before we begin all of that, as usual, you guys doing okay? You guys doing okay? Doing okay? Doing. See, I'm already having like a brain aneurysm, uh, so someone please call the police. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, uh, I hope everyone's doing well out there. Uh, you know, it's mid-August. Um, it's still ridiculously hot. Uh, I remember I left my car for 10 minutes and came back, and my car was registering at 107, so that was fun. But uh, other than the weather, just uh, making every single part of my body just sweat. That was a little bit too much information, but you guys subscribe to this, so you know this is what you get. Um, catching up on TV shows and movies. Um, finish Better Call Saul. That was a fantastic ending. Um, that ending to me was perfection. The I'm not going to spoil anything, but just the transformation of Jimmy McGill and seeing where he ended up and seeing like the decision that he has made for himself so he can finally face consequences and do it for himself, do it for Kim and just bring some type of peace to the whole breaking bad situation. Like it was a, it was a very noble, very peaceful, very fitting ending for him. Um, I, I loved it. I love the, the finale of the series. It is sad that it is done. And um, there's no more Monday night, uh, better call Saul action, but you know, we got a lot of great shows coming out with, uh, house of the dragon, uh, rings of power and or I'm looking forward to, and I'll talk about she Hulk here in a second. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, the better call Saul finale was absolutely perfect in my mind. Uh, I didn't expect anything less. Uh, Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan created one heck of a spinoff, probably the best spinoff of all time. I, I just, I can't believe 
that that show competed with Breaking Bad in terms of um, production, uh, story, everything. It was on the same level and even better because um, it was, at its core, a love story, which was kind of different for the Breaking Bad universe, but it still had the Breaking Bad elements, but it was a love story nonetheless. And so I thought just beautiful ending, sad to see it go, but that was one hell of a ride and I really enjoyed it. So uh, Better Call Saul, check it out now. Uh, for everyone out there that hasn't seen it, I'd say give it a watch, give it a whirl, because uh, you are in for a treat. Let's see. Uh, still watching what we do in the shadows and only murders. I uh, got to catch up on the newest ones. Um, like I said earlier, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, House of the Dragon this Sunday. You guys will get my review of the first episode next week um, in terms of catch up because I, I'll probably have a lot, lot to say. Uh, as someone who is just a casual fan, um, I'm very curious to see what they do uh, with the prequel series. Uh, you know, speaking of prequel series and spinoffs and stuff, you know, I'm hoping House of the Dragon can kind of continue that trend of just amazing spinoffs um, after Better Call Saul. So looking forward to that. I still haven't finished Westworld. <laughs> um, got to watch the last four episodes. I'm just, I don't know. I just got, I got bored with it. I was in season four, but like, I just, I'm so busy that I just didn't want to waste my Sunday watching it. So I'll binge watch the last four and I'll let you guys know. But um, yeah, let's see. I'm trying to think. I'm still watching Mythic Quest. Got to catch up to that before season three comes out. Um, That's about it. I don't I haven't really uh, watched anything uh, terribly new. Um, that's, you know, like I've been trying to catch up on. But I did watch the first four episodes of uh, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, the newest Marvel Studios um, uh, series on Disney+. Plus. I got to see the first four episodes out of nine, so that is fascinating because it's about the halfway point. But uh, yeah, so what's really interesting is that I'm not supposed to be reviewing this for a couple hours, but by the time you guys get this episode, the embargo has already been lifted. So here you go. Here's my review of the first four episodes of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. In terms of the actual story and seeing uh, Jennifer Walters become She-Hulk and uh, live her life uh, as a superhero and go to you know her job and be at a law firm, it's fun. Um, I'm curious to see like where she goes with it because by the time episode four ends, you're like, okay, I can see like the gears starting to turn a little bit for this story, um, you know, but I, I need to see more. But it's a nice start uh, to Jennifer Walters and her story and where she's going to go. I think her her backstory was a bit rushed, kind of just told to us in like, I think a minute and a half or two minutes. Um, that was kind of annoying. Some of the humor doesn't work for me, but I will say a lot of the humor um, did hit me, uh, especially when it's like super referential to the MCU. Like it pokes fun at itself. So it's definitely taking the Deadpool route and having the fourth wall break and being self-referential. But some of those jokes actually worked for me, but some of them didn't. So it was about 50-50. Speaking of the fourth wall break, um, I am not 100% sold on it. It is, you know, I, they're definitely, like, I, I know that She-Hulk definitely did that in the comics. But knowing that, like, she's doing it first before Deadpool, and we haven't seen it in the MCU thus far, it's just a bit jarring. But I'm sure I'll get used to it as the series goes on. 
But um, that would be one of my other complaints is just that, yeah, the fourth wall breaks just don't really do anything much for me. Um, Hulk is in this show for the first four episodes, as we've seen the marketing. He has a different path. Uh, won't spoil anything, but I'm curious to know where that path is going because it is not what I expected. Um, Wong is featured heavily in this, as seen from the trailers. Um, he provides a lot of context for some of the things going on, especially with like magic and everything. But I'm still trying to find his footing into the overall story. And then Abomination, uh, we didn't really get to see much, um, very brief, but I'm assuming we'll get to see a lot more in the final five episodes. For the first four episodes, it's a solid start. Um, I like it. I think it has like kind of the same like kind of light and kind of airy vibe as like Ms. Marvel, and you know it's uh, you know a little a little funnier and it's got a lighter energy to it. So I kind of like it from that perspective. But uh, if you are worried about spoilers, like 95% of the stuff I saw in episodes one through four are in the trailers and marketing. So I'm, I, they, they're hiding a lot. So I'm curious to know like what they're hiding and you know how it's going to kind of evolve over uh, the series. But if you're worried about spoilers, don't worry because um, literally everything I saw, most of everything I saw was in the marketing so um yeah but overall i liked it you know uh here's to see where it goes um i still think nothing has been able to top uh loki or like wandavision for me i love both of those shows so uh everything else has been kind of falling into the camp of like like to just okay and so um yeah nothing has like blown my socks off since loki but um yeah i'm, I'm curious to know like how this series is gonna go continue and stick the landing so yeah that is my review of uh she-hulk attorney at law episodes one through four but i will say that tatiana mislani really great jennifer walters very likable very punchy and witty um i just like following her around she's just an incredible actress so she's got that going for her is that she carries the show um so yeah uh let me know down below what you thought of uh, she-hulk attorney at law the i guess the first episode by the time this episode comes out um and uh yeah just uh let me know so anyways uh, that's what i've been catching up on this week and so one of the films i saw uh what was it yesterday uh was beast and so uh that is a creature feature survival film and so i was kind of thinking to myself what could i talk about before that movie and i was like how about some creature features like some of the ones i grew up on some of my my favorites like uh ones i need to watch um, and so, yeah, I, I pulled up a random list. Um, I'll, I'm assuming most of the, the movies on this list I have seen, but, um, yeah, I just want to kind of go over this particular list and see if like I have seen it and, um, uh, just give me my quick thoughts on it. First one on the list is Jaws. Jaws is awesome. It's a classic. I remember watching it, um, as a kid and it scared the crap out of me. I still have a fear of deep water. Even to this day, I don't like oceans. Um, I don't mind riding on boats or yachts or I, I really want to go on a cruise one of these days, but I do not like deep water. If I cannot see more than 10 feet, then it ain't for me, champ. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I get very, very nervous with that. So, but Jaws, classic, come on. 
They have Cujo on here. Cujo's a pretty good one. Um, that one is a uh, Stephen King adaptation, right? Um, I remember watching that one, and uh, Big Dogs at that uh, time scared the crap out of me because I watched it around the same time as The Sandlot. And, of course, you know, The Sandlot's not actually that big, but it still freaked me out uh, with dogs being the size of, like, cars running at you and uh, tearing your stuff up. So, Cujo, really great pick. The Birds, also uh, classic. Alfred Hitchcock, uh, I like The Birds quite a bit. Pet Cemetery. I didn't really care for the remake that much, but uh, I love the old one, uh, the 1989 version, uh, also a Stephen King adaptation. I just, there's so many goofy moments in that movie, and there's some really cool special effects. I just, I really like it. It is a fun watch, especially if you're a horror fan. Um, check it out. Arachnophobia. I remember uh, when that came out, it was around the same time that I was watching Anaconda, which is also on this list. Uh, but arachnophobia is the fear of spiders. I hate spiders. So I watched that movie and never watched it again. But I remember just being absolutely just freaked out and disgusted by it just because I don't like spiders. Um, never saw that one. Tremors. What a great one. I I love that whole series. Uh, I had so so much fun watching the first one. I was like, this is a really, a really fun watch because it wasn't like all doom and gloom. It, there was a bit of a comedy bite to it. And so Kevin Bacon really uh, carries that film, and I, I, I really enjoy that. Gremlins, great one. Nothing really to say about that. You know, like Godzilla, really like all those films. I've actually seen, excuse me, the older ones, seen the newer ones. You know, it's all uh, it's all good in my book. Um, all the uh, creatures from, like, uh, the universal, like, monsters, like, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and of course, like Dracula, uh, Frankenstein, Werewolf. I've seen all those. Uh, those are all just classics. Uh, I really liked. Um, my personal favorite was uh, like Dracula and like Frankenstein. I was really enamored with those types of stories, and I loved every incarnation of Frankenstein. The list Anaconda here. Good old J Lo and Ice Cube. That's the cast that we're working with. But yeah, that Anaconda was huge in that movie. Uh, where they could just swallow whole people like it's nothing. Uh, I, I know that anacondas could swallow a, a human uh, in real life, but in this fantasy movie world, um, they were so huge that they could just like eat humans within like two seconds, <laughs> just slurp them up like candy. So yeah, anaconda is a fun one. Uh, I never saw the sequels, but um, the first one I, I will always have a soft spot for. Lake Placid. I've actually never seen any Lake Placid movie. and Isn't there like eight of those movies the gray that's a good one um liam neeson fights off a wolf um i haven't seen it in a long time i cannot believe it's what is that like 11 yeah 11 years old that's insane um he's in a he's in a plane that it crashes and they have to survive and like he has to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with like a wolf and that ending um kind of battle between him and the wolf is really fun i i love um not uh, not only creature features and survival films, but ones that are set out in the mountains or like snow, like I don't know. There's something just more threatening with it, just because you know you have the temperature change and like your body can't, you know, uh, be in it for so long. So like I, I I love that type of stuff. So like the gray is really great. Never heard of that one. <laughs> Piranha. I was just talking about this last night with um, one of the fellow critics at the B screening. Um, yeah, I never saw the original, uh, but I do know that Piranha 2 is directed by the James Cameron. Um, 
I watched the <laughs> the one from 2010, um, and then the one from 2012, the three double D, um, one of the worst titles for any movie in history. But that that was a, a part of the 3D craze. Those are goofy, ridiculous, gory fun. It is what it is. It's not like anything special. Snakes on a plane. I remember I was working at the theater when this one came out, and I, um, I laughed so hard. It was so fun. I mean, there was people having sex in the bathroom, people doing drugs. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson saying probably one of the top five most iconic lines from his entire career in that movie. It's like it, there's snakes on a plane, folks. It's just it's crazy ridiculous. It's from the director uh, David. R. Ellis, I believe, uh, he directed Final Destination 2, which Final Destination 2, a lot of people sleep on that. Uh, I like that whole franchise, but um, uh, Final Destination 2 had the best, I think the best opening that scared the crap out of everyone in my, part of my generation with the uh, um, car accident scene, but Snake's Not Playing, really fun watch. Uh, don't take it too seriously, it's just goofy. Um, Willard, I remember that movie. I haven't seen it in a long time, but Crispin Glover, um, really just infatuated with rats. Yeah, so if you don't like gerbils or rats or hamsters, it's not for you. Um, open Water from 2003. See, this is continuing a, a, along the deep water phobia that I have. Open Water is literally set on two people in the water the entire time. Now, like for the first like five, ten minutes, they're like in a hotel room and they're about to go on their adventure. But for the most part, it's just them two in the water. And there's something about not knowing what's underneath you and like anything could just brush up against you. And like when it when it's nighttime, it's even worse. And it's like, oh, just it gives me like ulcers just thinking about it. But open water is a good one. Uh, not a lot of people talk about that one. If you can withstand two people just sitting in water for an hour and a half and imagine what's underneath them, I think your experience will be a little bit more uh, fruitful. But um, open water, good one. The host. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. I never saw it, but when I worked at the um, video rental store, I remember uh, we had that one playing on in the background. Uh, I never paid attention to it, but Deep Rise. The Blob. The Blob's a fun one. I never saw the 1958 version, but I saw like half of the 88 version just a few months ago, actually. Uh, and I never finished it, but uh, that one is just so goofy. Just people running away from this slow gelatinous thing um i really enjoy it uh let's see deep blue sea another iconic samuel l jackson not only line read i'm gonna go ahead and just say it because the movie's old he dies it's one of the most surprising deaths i've ever seen in a movie so when you're watching the movie you're like you're not expecting it and then it just happens you're like oh Okay, but uh, once again, this goes back to the whole like uh, deep water phobia and sharks are now involved and it's freaky stuff, man. But that one's a fun one. I, I love that one. The Descent, that one's a great one as well. If you have a fear of claustrophobia and like caves and just darkness, don't watch that because it, it, it makes me feel like I'm having a panic attack as I'm watching it. But The Descent is a great um, uh, horror film. So good. The Cave. I remember that one. Oh, maybe? I don't know. The Tingler. Ooh, that's an interesting title. Uh, 
King Kong, obviously. They put Feast on here. I remember watching that one. Um, that one was actually produced by Ben Affleck, I believe. That one, um, there's a lot of people trapped in a bar. And they have to fight off against a bunch of monsters. It actually has some really cool practical effects. Uh, like more old school, like B-genre level filmmaking. I actually kind of like that one. I totally forgot about that. And of course, like Night of the Living Dead, like zombie films. Uh, I, I really enjoy. There's a movie called Razorback with killer... Yeah, like killer boars. Oh, it's awesome. And then Crawl is on here. And I was just talking about this once again last night uh, with uh, my film critic, uh, uh, friend. And so I, I had never, I had never seen Crawl, but you know, from the director of like the, the Piranha remakes and everything, um, Hills Have Eyes. I just never saw it, but uh, I heard uh, Crawl was really great, a really great alligator film. Jurassic Park's on here, obviously, the best dinosaur film of all time. I don't really count the sequels. Three is fun, um, but um, yeah, the first one is unmatched. The Thing, classic, probably one of my all-time favorites. Uh, not only just creature features, but just films in general. I saw that um, in the theater. Uh, I had seen it like years prior, but like for the first full time as a theater experience, that blew my mind. It just it still held up from being released in 1982. The Thing is the one of the best of all time if you've never seen it. A group of researchers are stuck in the Arctic, and there's a parasite that kind of comes down and starts infecting people. But um, it like takes the form of other things and, you know, it gets inside of you and, you know, you don't know who it is. And it's just really great. Critters. I remember the mist. Um, I love the mist. I love that ending. I know it's controversial. It's super devastating. It works for me. Um, it's one of the more shocking endings I've ever seen in my entire existence as a, a movie watcher. But the mist, I... I like to miss it a lot. Um, Congo. Uh, and that's about it. There's a couple others I wanted to, to mention that this uh, list didn't have, but this is primarily all of them. Um, Eight-Legged Freaks. Uh, David Arquette. I uh, really <laughs> enjoy that one. Uh, it's super goofy. Once again, kind of going into the B, B territory of movies. Um, giant spiders, it freaks me out. Of course, the Alien films, the Predator films. Um, the Alien films are like some of the best of all time, too. I actually like Alien 1, 2, and 3. 3 is actually super slept on, by the way. Alien Resurrection, I can take it or leave it, but the first three are actually really good. Um, and then I actually like the first Alien vs. Predator. It's fun. Um, and then Requiem is just a travesty. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the only Predator films I've liked are the first one and Prey, actually. Um, so there's that kind of just going down this other list to see if there's any others that I missed. There's one called Frankenfish. Oh my God. That sounds awesome. Yeah. There's like four Anaconda films, alligator. We talked about that. Got, of course, Godzilla, excuse me, uh, Python bug. Okay. I've seen the remake of bug i don't know if it's associated with it but um i don't think it is but there is one called bug where it's directed by william freakton and stars michael shannon really great stuff starship troopers classic i love that one um you want to talk about uh just ultimate bug violence that's it right there just giant bugs just getting what they got coming to them 
should we call ticks tarantula they they got they literally have a movie about every single creature known to man um just looking through this real quick they have the feast films on here and there's three of them that's crazy uh i wouldn't consider hollow man a creature feature hollow man's good but it's um yeah, I mean that's a that's about it. A lot of these films I have not seen, but hey, listen, I was uh in the mood to talk about them just because I saw Beast last night and I was like, man, what what kind of creature features have I seen throughout my entire life? And I was like, that'd be a perfect little segment before the movie. And speaking of Beast, when we come back from the break, I will be talking about Beast, the newest film from Universal, and it stars Idris Elba and he's fighting a lion uh with his family, you know, uh fight fight for uh, survival. So uh, yeah, so when we come back, I'll be talking about that. See you soon. And welcome back from the break. Let's not waste any more time and let's talk about Beast. So what is this movie about? A father and his two teenage daughters find themselves hunted by a massive rogue lion intent on proving that the savannah has but one apex predator. So... You know, going into this, I actually didn't know what this movie was about. I really didn't. I, I remember it being on the slate of films coming out this summer. I was like, oh, cool. That that could be anything. That, that that could literally be the title for any type of movie. And as we got closer to it and I started looking it up and I was like, oh, cool. Idris Elba, Charlotte Copley. It's uh, Idris Elba versus a lion. He's protecting his family. It's a creature feature. So not really too deep in terms of thematics or, you know, a story, but, you know, it could be a fun little romp with thrills and kills and all types of good stuff. So, you know, with that going into it, I, I was I was looking forward to it, but uh, I never saw any trailers to it. I kind of just went into it blind. Um, just real quick before I, I start this review, I thought it was super funny. I don't know if this was intentional, but uh, now I have associated Universal with family uh, just because they have the Fast and Furious franchise. And as I was sitting there in the theater, they had the uh, picture up on the screen, you know, hey, Beast, uh, you know, August 19th, you know, hashtag scan code, all that stuff. And at the top, it said fight for family. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Universal's got that word so locked down that anytime when I see that on any promotional material for a Universal uh, feature, I'm just going to uh, just start laughing. And so I, I got a little chuckle out of that. So a little, <laughs> little side thing, but there you go. But um, yeah, so I saw the movie. I kind of like it. it. It's fun enough uh, for that hour and uh, let me look at the time here. An hour and 33 minute runtime, strike six to seven minutes off for credits. It's a pretty brisk little movie. And it, you know, it gets all the story stuff out of the way in the beginning as it should just lay the foundation of who these characters are and like where they're at in their lives and then start the the hunt if you will and so um i, I liked it i think it's fun enough uh, and if you like these types of films or if you like idris elba i'd say give this one a watch uh if you this one doesn't look particularly good to you to go see in a theater then renting it or waiting until it hits peacock is perfectly fine it's not gonna you know uh, be this masterpiece that you're going to be missing if you don't watch it right away. But a fun little film, nonetheless. Let me start out with some of the bad things. Um, some of the character motivations uh, in these types of films, when it when it comes to like survival films, they're asinine. It, there's no way to put 
uh, put it lightly, um, some of the decisions that they make in terms of like, you know, stay here or like, let's not split up or like, I'm gonna go check this real quick. When we know that there is a gigantic freaking lion just roaming around killing people. Um, so those are all laughable moments and tropes and stereotypes that we see in these movies all the time. Um, so I'm not going to fault it too much. It is what it is, but it is quite dumb. Some of the dialogue is intentionally funny. I don't think that's what they meant to do. Um, I don't know. They, they could have um, been intentional with that, but there are some pieces of dialogue that are just absolutely hilarious because it, they some of them don't fit in the scene and they kind of come out of nowhere or like, some of the uh, lines of dialogue from the daughters doesn't doesn't feel right uh, delivered, and so you're like, oh, that was that was strange, <laughs> and so you kind of just chuckle a little bit. And there are some things that are just um, uh, really, like I said, unintentionally funny. But um, with that said, there's a lot of good things in this film, and so one of the things I want to kind of touch upon is director. Uh, please excuse me and bear with me on this. Uh, Baltasar uh, Um what I really liked about the direction of this film is that there is a sense of vision and art to it. I know, right? Cra kind of crazy. What I like about his take on this film is that there's a lot of one-take vignettes. So this whole thing is not a one-take um, or a disguise as a one-take, but there are one-take vignettes sprinkled throughout this entire film. Now, we have our traditional uh, two-shot, medium-shot, close-up uh, combo and like conversational scenes in the beginning, but there's a lot of scenes that are done in one take. And when we're done with the, the climax or the tension breaking in that scene, then we cut to the next scene that starts the next one-take journey. And I found that to be kind of compelling because it, it works in a couple of, of fashions. One, it creates tension. It creates this kind of like untethered tension where there's there's no control. It's just kind of chaotic, but it's controlled at the same time where like the camera's kind of just flo um, floating and moving with the characters, but you don't know where that line is. You don't know what's going to happen. So that tension is actually working really well um, with just the chaos happening in the scene, but it's so controlled behind the camera. It's actually kind of good. Um, and also, it, it works in the fashion of, like, it, it just shows us the world. It shows us the landscape that these characters are in, trying to survive from the lion. Um, so I thought these kind of, like, one-take scenes were really well done, especially when they're stuck in a car for quite some time. They have to maneuver that camera around from seat to seat and, you know, window to window. That was really cool. Um, you know, there are several scenes where... Uh, Idris is, you know, uh, fighting off the line and he's stuck behind uh, objects or like under a car. And it's all done in kind of this one take fashion. But once again, that kind of makes the suspense level heightened in this film. And I, I really enjoyed it from an entertainment uh, perspective because I had no idea where the camera was going to go, where what it was going to follow, what's lurking, you know, on the right of it to the left of it as it kind of like swivels across. Like it just, everything about it was all about the journey and I thought the creative decision to have these vignettes was really well done and to be quite honest with you it reminded me a lot of The Revenant I think this is a popcorn flick version of The Revenant I the way it's shot the way it's handled it 
felt like that. And even at the climax of the, the final battle between Idris and the lion, it felt like the bear scene in The Revenant, which was cool because it, it felt like it was more realistic to what we would expect someone uh, to act like when fighting said creature. So, yeah, I thought that was a, a, a cool little observation. I don't know if that's what he was going for, but, um, yeah, I, I really liked uh, that it kind of felt like the popcorn version uh, and entertainment version of The Revenant. It's not as deep or, or anything, but um, it gets the job done. There's some creativity involved behind the camera and just the, the director's vision. So I really like that. In terms of the actual story, I like the fact that this is uh, a family that is kind of broken. You know, this is a father that um, has had a lot of turmoil in his past dealing with like his his wife and the the mother of his children and just like how that relationship kind of fell apart and how the kids were feeling the weight of that. And I, I felt that. I, I felt that conversation that uh, Idris Elba was having with Charlton Copley in the beginning. It's really touching, really sweet, kind of just lays down the groundwork for these characters and telling us as an audience member, hey, these are people going through a lot of different things right now. And uh, I think seeing their their the hero journey to the very end is even more satisfying because you're like, this guy lo loves his daughters. He just wants to do what's right. And uh, just seeing him kicking ass, you know, throughout the film, it's even more satisfying because you know that he's doing this from a place of protecting his family. So I really liked it uh, from that standpoint in the story. Uh, you really get to know the characters. And yeah, it was actually really touching in the beginning. Uh, like I said, some of the lines of dialogue and some of the, the acting from the girls uh, in particular was it was a bit off uh, in, in terms of line delivery. But performances overall, fun. I think everyone um, is having a blast with this. Uh, and the fact that this lion is CGI. And they are able to convey such terror in their eyes and their body movement. That's really impressive. And so I got to give credit to all four of them. They're all really great. And when, uh, when it comes to that, they made us believe that there was this gigantic meteor-sized lion um, chasing after them. And I really uh, appreciate that. Speaking of the CGI lion, it is, it is good... For the most part, there are a couple times throughout the uh, when it's in sunlight that it's very apparent that you're watching this CGI creature roaming around. But like at nighttime or like around dusk, it was really well handled with its use of like shadows and contrast with like the light. And it felt like it was a part of the environment. So there was a, a definitely a lot of scenes in this where it did feel like that lion was present and it was uh, a threatening, um, you know. Uh, objective in, in these people's ways but there are a couple times like in the sunlight where it was very apparent but um yeah i think for the most part it's a really well constructed lion uh being placed in live action scenes so i gotta give them props on that listen is this film gonna be in the top 10 of the year no is it gonna win the oscars no not not even remotely close but what i can tell you is this if you like survival films very just straight and to the point you like creature features this one's not a bad one like yeah there's some laughable moments and there's some obscene moments for sure these, these types of films have that in them so you can't really strike this one for you can't out this one too much and be like oh you can't be doing it. it's like no a lot of these films do that but 
a lot of the stereotypes are there. But um, yeah, if you like those types of films, if you like Idris Elba, I'd say give it a watch. It's it's kind of fun. And uh, I, I did like the climax at the end of the film. It was really riveting to watch because you were just like, every time when that line would slash a person, whether it be Idris Elba or Charlotte Cope, you're like, I really hope someone kicks that lion's ass. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. You know, it's not, it's not anything that's going to be uh, in my top ten of the list of the year or thought provoking. It's just like, it's just fun entertainment. And thank you for tuning into my review of Beast. Let me know down below what you, uh, what you thought of the film, whether you liked it, loved it, hated it, all that stuff. I'd like to know your thoughts on said film. And that will do it for episode 369 of the Real Me and Cole in the Movie Podcast. Thank you for joining me on another episode of this wonderful podcast. Uh, you guys are amazing to join in. Um, yeah, for next week for episode 370, I don't know what I'm going to do yet because there's nothing coming out. So I will have to come up with a topic or something uh, to, to just, you know, ha have an episode for you guys. And if I don't, then you guys won't get anything I don't even know when, just because there's not that many movies coming out, but I'm sure I will find something. Maybe films that I missed this year that I can catch up on. I will find something to talk about for 370. But in the meantime, episode 369, this one is complete. So thank you, everyone. I am Chase. Uh, this has been another episode of the Real Me and Cole Movie Podcast. You guys are awesome. And I'll see you guys next week for another episode of this crazy movie podcast. See you then.